So this bolt of lightning shot across the universe and inspired me with the idea that we have to do a podcast. And that's what I wanted to tell you. We should do a podcast. Okay, bye. I hit record. I hit record. Great. Welcome to Feature Creep. Colon. Built-in microwave. <gasps> Semicolon. Uh, headlines you won't read. <laughs> right. Headlines you won't read. Um, I feel like we could give a little background to our process. Um, and I, so our process around designing <laughs> this podcast has been that we um, maintain a running um, a running chat with each other. Like we chat pretty much most days, like on the phone or computer or whatever. And we yeah. try to always use the same um, chat system. So we're using Google Talk or G Talk or Hangouts, whatever the fuck they're calling it now. Um, yeah, it's Hangouts, <clears throat> but they're discontinuing it. Are they really? Yes, I'll forward you the email. Oh, ridiculous. Anyway, we've been using it. Um, and the nice thing about it is it has a pretty powerful search feature, which is good. So we basically send each other topic ideas on the regular. This one was FCBM headlines you won't see. And then Meg's examples, the two examples you give, I love. The first one is like, <laughs> podcasters held accountable in 88NV airfield catastrophe. Or, happy sane couple welcomes 22nd child. <laughs> <laughs> I love that one. <laughs> so absurd. So, um, yeah. And then you go on, like, we're kind of, like, we have a little bit of more of a chat. And then um, at some point, you're like, the classic one is, oh, you were saying, so you're just... The whole point of this is like you were saying, you'd thought of this while pondering the planning ahead thing and why oh, right. so few people are good at it. And then um, you said you were like, you can imagine yourself just avoiding headlines whenever you think ahead. And so then you say like the classic one is six dead in homemade sauna in Northeast Minneapolis. <laughs> right. Yes. So uh, a few years back, we wanted to put a sauna in our house and we actually bought one uh -huh. so we're, we're maybe could end up with two saunas at the house at some point here one of them what we initially planned on was putting in like a swedish or a finnish sauna that has um tiered seating and you move up and down the tiers depending on how hot you want to get um if you sit near the top obviously it's going to be hotter because heat rises and if you sit near the bottom it's going to be cooler but either way there's a lot of steam in those saunas and so the construction of them is not something that you can just sort of throw together. You actually need durable materials and all these things. Um, plus, you're going to heat up some stuff really hot. And so you want to make sure that you're not going to burn yourself down. Um, and when we were talking about where to put it, our garage, uh, renovation of our garage is one option that we're thinking about pretty seriously. And then a freestanding structure in the yard is another. Uh, because these are things are going to take some time to construct uh and they're going to be fairly expensive um especially if it's a freestanding structure and given that we are in the middle of a covid pandemic and are not allowed to hang out with each other anyway we wanted to put the sauna in before this winter and we didn't make it because it's fucking snowing outside right now and today is the 23rd of october so that is really lame but anyway we realized that Putting a, a freestanding sauna in either the yard or building one into the existing garage um, was not going to be super practical for this particular winter because we want to make it big enough that everyone can enjoy it and make it big enough for like six people. Right, right. Um, but since we can't have those six people over to hang out, it's pointless to try to race to get a freestanding or outdoor sauna installed so what we did is we bought an indoor infrared one and now we have to put it in our basement so we'll have the infrared one no matter what and you won't even need to go outside to use it and then at some point in the future we'll probably end up with a finished sauna possibly a freestanding structure built in with like a little office space or something out in the yard mm -hmm. in the garden anyway uh when we were originally talking about doing this yes we were out in the garage and my wonderful neighbor conrad came over and my other wonderful friends, David and Laura, were over and we were pondering the location and construction and design of the sauna in the garage. And Conrad kind of caught up with us late. Um, and we had already discussed the ventilation 
Uh-huh. Uh, and so Conrad's like, okay, so what's to stop this turning into a hot box and we all die? <laughs> <laughs> and David and I looked at Conrad and we're like, we've thought of that. We already talked about that before you got here. It will not turn into a hot box. We will not suffocate or die. And Conrad was like, okay. And I said, furthermore, the headline, Six Dead in Illegal Homemade Sauna in Northeast Minneapolis, is not the headline at the time of my death. I will not let us go out that way. <laughs> so when I think ahead, yeah, I usually think about like, I I think two things very frequently. Yeah. How will this sound when it's being read back to me in court? Yes. <laughs> and how will this look? In the headline of a newspaper article. And so a lot of my future thinking and planning goes uh, sort of circles around the idea that we're just trying to avoid really big problems here. Yeah. Um, The types of problems that get attention. Yeah. And so, uh, yeah. But I think I, I would love to know what in my immediate environment also influenced me to comment on... The like healthy sane couple welcomes twenty second yes, child. Right. Like was I was I reading something? Was I watching something on the internet? Like what made me think about Yeah. Cra- I I don't know. Um <laughs> Yeah, I that's such a good it's such a good line though, because it just thinks I I mean I think most parents would agree with that statement as well. It's just, it's, it's, I mean, three kids is a lot of kids. And then just the insanity of that. Um, it's funny because I come like, so I, my dad's, my dad's, well, both of my parents' generation were small families, but the families that their parents came from were very large. So, um, my dad's grand, my dad's mom, my grandmother on my dad's side, came from i think a a family of like seven or eight maybe um and then on my mom's side her parents i think came from fairly large families um definitely more children than like the two and a half children you have on average or whatever the average is now but um, right they're from they're boomers right yes yeah 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 my parents are boomers yeah Yeah. same yeah yeah my dad had my dad's one of eight. He's the first of eight. And my mom is the fifth of five. Yeah. Well, so my, so my boomer parents were, came from small families, but then mm. their parents were massive families. Um, mm. Like my grandfather, my, my paternal grandfather came from like a massive Catholic family. I mean, I think he had like, like nine children or something. <laughs> my, hmm. my stepmom, she came from a massive like boomer family for sure. Like they had yeah. like eight or nine kids, nine maybe even. Yeah. Anyway, that's so nuts. Yeah, it's nuts. Um, like, ugh, who has time for that? I don't know. I I like all I can think is like if you live in a time where um there's less sort of financial diversity or like wealth diversity or less like stratification of wealth, then mm-hmm. more people have more access to the resources you need in order to support a family like that more easily, and so. If but you, who wants to have a family I, that big? I don't know. I mean, I think if you come from a cultural place of um, having large families, then it just is... I don't know. I can't imagine. Um, it seems insane from all sides, as far as I can tell. Are you, a, are you a person who wants to have 12 children? Tell us. Yes, please. By all means. And oh, tell well. me why. Yeah, that'd be interesting. And then I'll be like, that's sweet, but you're wrong. <laughs> but you're wrong, right? <laughs> <laughs> listen uh, listen meg it means different things to different people right right yeah. right um right yeah so i do i i really like this idea of the the sort of um like thinking and like as a tool for thinking ahead like trying to imagine what the headline would be um when this goes wrong at the end right um yeah I do think like any of the titles that start with like podcasters held accountable for X is a great <laughs> place to start. Um, a friend of mine who is a, she is a, um, a PhD researcher. Like she does research for, um, she contracts 
work like that. And uh, she's so she publishes a lot, and so her her reputation and all of those things are really tied up with what you know what she puts in print and in the media, right? Like that's who she yes. is. And I had originally when we start the podcast, I was like, oh, it'd be great. You could be on the podcast. You could lend some like interesting right. weight, or even just, I mean, you know, talk about things. And um, and she was like. Ah, no, but in the end, I think she's really like doesn't want to do it, and the reason, and I understand why, is that y- you're kind of committing yourself to a public record, and yeah. um, she's used to a very like controlled output of things, like a review mm-hmm. process, and it's really specific about what she's saying, and so she's a little nervous to like compromise her job, um, and so this topic just like kind of rung a bell with me, where I'm like, man, this is exactly the thing that she's talking about. It's like, you know, the headline where it's like two podcasters, you know, found liable for inciting riot in the southeast, you know, whatever, like just like right. whatever ridiculous shit. Um, yeah. Not that I think that we would we would necessarily do that. I like to think we're, you know, trying to be be respectful. I mean, but we have we have a long list of core competencies that we do. Yes. If if that bear further explanation like staging coups for instance uh-huh yes yeah i mean well that's I exactly mean, why yeah yeah usually you would think of that in like a negative context right but you know sometimes that's exactly what's called for um right yeah <laughs> we get on this stuff early <laughs> the headline for that one is like like um young young school age child um like how would it go like young school age child incites riot and knocks down classroom wall yeah like uh <laughs> chaos comma anarchy yeah uh what are your kids learning in school right <laughs> <laughs> what is your four-year-old doing at preschool uh-huh is your four-year-old subject to a coup in preschool find out next i think that's such a good story do you want to tell it so <laughs> my uh my family, the big family, the my dad's side of the family, uh-huh. um, the eighth kid in the family, my aunt Amy, isn't that much older than I am. Yeah. Um, because she's so much younger than my dad that by the time she was like like a tween, she wasn't she wasn't even a teenager. I think she was like eight or ten when I was born. Wow. So the distance between my youngest aunt and myself is like a decade. Um and I was raised spending a lot of time around my dad's sisters and his younger sisters. And so in some ways, I was treated like a grandchild. And in other ways, I was just treated like another kid in the house, you know, mm-hmm. um, just like tacked on to the end. And uh, I developed like I have a weird personality anyway, which what? <laughs> anyone who listens to this ever probably already <laughs> sussed out. Uh-huh. Um but like I like um I've always had a problem with authority because uh, I don't like people imposing things on other people or me. Yeah. And so uh they kind of like my parents made the decision to send me to preschool because I hadn't been raised around any other kids and I was like pretty authoritative by the time I was four and they were like, We have to we can't send you to kindergarten without like socializing you around other children first mm-hmm. because I like wandered around and talked like a little adult and stuff like that. And I saw myself as an equal. And so anyway, I still do. Um, As you should. I don't really care what what the crowd is in a room. I'll go in. It's fine. I'll talk to anybody. Right. So uh, they tried to send me to preschool to like socialize me. But I think at that point, it's kind of like you can't put. The genie back, back in, in the, the bottle, ba- right? Bottle, yes. yeah. Like I'm already <laughs> yeah, yeah. thinking like, in terms that like, are beyond what you have to put up with at preschool. You you think that you think she's a terror around adults, like put her around like incompetent little children and it's they're all done for. It's it was it was quick. It was over quick. Yeah. So um I don't remember. I mean, I went to preschool for a while. It was half day preschool, and um I think it was like maybe Every other day during the week or something, it was at a at Brady High School, which was a high school that no longer exists in sort of in my neighborhood. Yeah. Um. And there was a girl that I went all the way through high school with. Like we were in school together the whole time. Uh-huh. And um, we so 
I was already accustomed to like thinking through things and thinking thinking ahead and the teachers like had this routine for us every day like there we would do we would watch a film strip and we would like practice letters and um we would like there was a there in the room there were different areas for different things and we could have like constructive playtime and things like that so there were tinker toys and erector sets and lincoln logs and there was a dress-up box with costumes and a little kitchen so you could play house and like all the things that little kids like right Um, and art art materials we would all put on our paint smocks and get our easels and we would paint and we had these little carpet squares that we would stack up and then we would drag them out and we got to take a little nap and it was i don't know if anybody actually fell asleep but it was just quiet time after snack time right um and we'd have snack time and all these things right and so Occasionally, we would get free time, which was just whatever you want to do for the next 20 minutes, you get to go do that. Mm -hmm. And I recall that on this particular day, it was nice outside, which is unusual here. I mean, during the school year, it's unusual for it to be nice outside because you get summers off. And so it's always kind of like fall and chilly or winter and awful or spring and really gross. Right. Um, So this must have been either late spring or early fall because it was real nice outside and we had been outside and we came back inside and then we went to bathrooms and washed our hands and did all the stuff and then we went back into the to the actual preschool room together mm-hmm. there were like maybe 20 kids and two teachers or something like that two teachers for sure maybe 20 kids so they're like okay it's free time and we were like hanging out in the room and I used to travel between groups of kids like I was never like locked in with a specific little group of kids sure um or a subdivision I was just all over the place and so we were we were in the room and it like occurred to me as I was making the rounds that like I don't really want to play with stuff inside if it's free time what I would like to do with my free time is go back outside uh-huh. <laughs> yeah And so I told them this. I told the teachers, I would like to go back outside for my free time. And they were like, well, you can't do that. You can only have free time in here. And I was like, well, then it's not free time. (laughs) And they were like, well, it is free time. It's just free time in here. And I was like. I don't think that's not free time. But okay. So I thought, well, what if we. Oh, the main problem here is they don't want one kid outside supervised or like yes sure you would have to split the groups right like right. they wanted two teachers in the same place with all the kids corralled where they couldn't get out of hand uh-huh i totally understand this yes but it's still not free time right right and i'm like extra sensitive to adults who tell me lies right right i was at the time i'm still extra sensitive to bullshit um, it's one of the, so, I mean, you, you need to be like, this is indoor playtime or something. Like you just need right, to like structure it. Categorize where it's like, it. Yeah. Set some actual expectations here. If right. you tell people you that they're having free time and you don't actually let them be free, then you're lying to them, which is what it felt like to me. And so, uh, I went around to all of the kids and I organized each of the subgroups of kids. So I started with the Lincoln log and erector set and Tinker Toy Kids. And uh-huh. I was like, Hey, if you had the choice between playing with these toys or going outside right now, which would you rather do? And they were like, well, I'd rather have free time outside. And I was like, okay, like hold that thought. Uh-huh. And then I went and got like the dress up box kids and kitchen kids yeah. and the playtime kids. And I was like, hey, let's not play house. Let's just tell the teachers that we all want to have free time outside. And everybody was like, I'd rather be outside. Yeah. No shit. Um, so I managed to like make the rounds and what I ended up doing was gathering all of the children on one side of the room and that side of the room was the the side that faced the front of the building where the entrance was. Uh-huh. And so um, it was an interior wall. So this was doomed to fail from the beginning because I didn't understand construction uh-huh. logic. Yes. Uh, but I knew that that wall was the only wall in the room that was in the right direction towards the front door. Uh-huh. Right? Yes. And so that must be the wall to outside. Yeah. And so I was like, okay, gang, here's what we're going to do. We're going to tell the teachers we all want to go outside for free time. Yeah. And they're going to let us because we all want to do it. And then they can just come out with us. And this makes perfect sense. Logistically, it's, you know, it's great. Yeah. Totally sane. What could go wrong? Uh, and, and so this group of like 20 kids was with me as their little ringleader 
tells the teachers, they probably watched me doing this and were just like dreading uh-huh. coming back. And so I came back with all these kids and I was like, me and these 19 other kids, we all decided we all want free time outside. So let's go. <laughs> and they were like, no, free time is only inside. And I was like, but then that's not free time. And they were like, okay, well, don't call it free time then. Just call it playtime, whatever. You pl- you can play in here and you can do whatever you want. And I was like, okay, well, what I want is I want to go over here and push this wall down so we can go outside. And I t- so I take all the kids back into a huddle in the fucking corner. Uh-huh. And I'm like, all right, gang, here's what we're going to do. If we push this wall down, they can't keep us all inside. <laughs> and the kids are like, and this is where it sort of goes off the rails a uh-huh. little bit, you know? Like, I was solid. I was a good advocate. I had, like, I had community support i organized everybody like we had demands i Uh mean it was great yeah so uh i get all the kids in a huddle and i'm like what do you think like we should just i think if we all just push hard enough we can push this wall over and then they have no choice like they can't possibly keep us inside and they were like yep this sounds like bulletproof and i was like great (laughs) let's do it so all of us line up Uh on this wall you know and like like when you come back from a run and you're like stretching your calves against a wall sort of thing. Uh-huh. Like we're all lined up with both hands forward, pushing as hard as we can on this wall. All these kids are like screaming and grunting <laughs> and like, Rah! and I'm standing behind all of them with like my fist in the air, like a dictator, uh-huh. like screaming at the top of my lungs, push. And I think I got the idea to like direct what they were doing. Yes. Because my dad used to take me down to the Mississippi River and we would watch all of the rowers rowing. And there's always somebody who sits at the boat and doesn't row and just yells at them through a megaphone. Yes. So that they get the The stroke pacing correct. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Coxswain. That's thank you for the word. Yes. So I was a terrestrial coxswain Uh behind all of these kids. And I was just standing there with my fist in the air screaming, push, and all the kids would push. And then I didn't even have to do anything after a while. It got completely out of hand. Like, the kids were on their own track. Some kid is like, I can see the wall moving! And then there was just tons of screaming and pushing. Uh And, like, the teacher came over, one of the teachers came over to me and kind of, like, you know, hand on the shoulder was like, okay, are we done with this now? And I was like, no, we're going to push this wall down. And the teachers are like, wouldn't you guys like to do something? Thing else and all the kids are like no <laughs> and so like they totally lost control of the room uh-huh. they called my parents my parents had to come get me um and i don't know i don't remember honestly if i was allowed to go back after that sure like i don't remember i feel like if my parents had told me well you don't get to go to preschool anymore because you can't behave or you don't get to go to preschool because four-year-olds aren't supposed to start coos and Right. Free kindergarten. Right. Like, I don't remember ever really getting in trouble for it so much. Um, if I had gotten kicked out, I feel like I would have been devastated by that. And I don't yeah. remember that at all. Yeah. Like, I don't remember this being a bad memory. I think they were, I think everybody was pretty gracious about it because, man, I was really effective. Uh It was just at something that wasn't ever going to succeed in the first place. So, um, yeah, so that's how I <laughs> that's how I staged a coup in fourth in when I was four years old and took over preschool for a day, and that's so great. That's so funny. Led, led my comrades into battle with a cinder block wall. Uh huh. <laughs> it's pretty good. Yes. I mean, it couldn't have been that bad because when my brother three years later went to preschool, I got to be I went I got to go back and help as like a classroom helper. So they must have been like, well, this kid's got leadership skills. Yes. Right. <laughs> Maybe we should just develop them a little bit or something. I don't know. Yeah. Not not clear, but yeah, yeah. I mean, that's kind of one of those like, you know, keep your enemies closer when they realize they're like, oh, that one's <laughs> trouble. Let's just bring her into the fold over here and like keep a real yeah. close eye on her. Yeah, that's probably true. Uh, I I don't remember there being any of these sorts of incidents beyond preschool. Like, I used to get in trouble in class in like first and second and maybe third grade for, (laughs) for, this is like the worst punishment ever, for being able to read a lot better than the other kids in my class. Uh And so, like, I was, I was reading whole books and stuff like kids books but like whole books by myself and 
um, other kids were just like learning the alphabet and kind of struggling through it. And so I would get so bored when we would have to read aloud in class that I would find myself reading ahead and then they would call on me and I wouldn't know where I was supposed to be because I couldn't keep up with the slow kids and they couldn't keep up with me. Right. And then right. I would get in trouble for not paying attention. And it's like, I'm not not paying attention. I'm just not paying attention to what you're doing because what you're doing is boring and horrible. Yeah. I, I have memories of, um, like especially like early grades, like maybe first, second grade, and and uh, kindergarten, where those kinds of activities were really. I I think if I had understood why we were doing it the way we were doing it, I would have been more cooperative. Mm-hmm. Um, but I totally agree with you. Like I'm having these flashbacks to reading these like one line sentences like over oh. and over and over again. Jesus. And, um. Stultifying. Yeah. And I think if I had known that the point of it was that we all were doing this together, like that just was never that obvious to me, even though me either. like you're sitting in this group and you're, you know, you know, you're taking turns. But if, if someone had been like drilling it in being like, Hey, you know, I know we're all working at a different pace. Let's like be, this is a team effort. I love, I loved doing team things where everybody succeeds. That was like my favorite thing. Yeah. You know, when it's not a competition and it's like, Hey, Let's get everybody together and everybody needs to do this. Like, I loved doing that, but it mm-hmm. wasn't like that. It was just sort of like, wait your fucking turn and sit there and be quiet. And then yeah. when it's your turn, struggle through this fucking sentence when you're like, yeah, I've read this thing like 15 times already. <laughs> like, anyway. Yeah, because like the ki- the way it was positioned is that the kid whose job it is to be reading at any given time mm-hmm. is in essence reading one on one at the teacher's face and the rest of us are all just sitting there passively. Yes, like right. So what would make more sense to me for teaching is to look at kids who have similar abilities in reading, put them in a group yeah, and lump the kids at the respective skill level and then help the ones who are struggling the most as a group and have the other kids read to each other right like you'll get so much more done in the same amount of fucking time so inefficient sometimes i wonder like what business do any of these people have teaching the curriculum is fucking terrible i mean i anyway yeah i think it's i think a big part of it is just that um there's so little funding to help um you know it's a it's it's a balance between like people need jobs to survive and yeah. so some of those people end up being teachers and right. they may not be their passion, but you know, it is a viable career. It's hardly a viable career in this country these days, but um, it, in theory it should be. And so it's, yeah. it's like, there's no it's vital, there's no support. Oh, it's super vital, but there's no support and schools are like defunded. And like, you know, in the Bush era yeah. when it was like, Oh, we, you know, all of a sudden we have all these private schools now, or I forget what they're, I don't, I don't know all the details, have, but like the charter charters for, yeah, it's, charters are terrible. Like, well, some charters I think can be okay, but like it's, the model it's, basically it's, it's a, it's not a solved problem by any means. And it's, no. it's definitely like one of our worst areas, right? Like as a country, as a, as our nation, it's like somewhere we really struggle now. Um, we could have fewer kids. We could have fewer kids, but that's not, um, it, w- even if you only have one kid, <laughs> the education of human beings is, is a valid and worthy goal, I think. Like, you know, yeah, whatever age you are. And, but, you know, people have kids like you and i can sit here and extol all of the virtues of never having kids and ending the species right now and it's not gonna stick i'm pretty sure Hypnotize the eschaton <laughs> right um, so uh yeah <laughs> can you imagine what sort of trouble my kid would get into yes and, because like, parents, i i you do like, it to do your have- your nephews all the fucking time I do do it to my nephews all the time. I shouldn't say you don't do it to them. You just facilitate their own, um, yeah, (laughs) their own nature. Did I tell you about the jumping off of the high thing? No. So we went to a park, yeah, and they're always testing their limits because they're children. That's like the whole point of being a kid is like, how does this work? Oh, that's a little too far. Yeah. Does this hurt? Nope. This feels fine. I'm gonna do it harder. Anyway, uh, they were at the park and they wanted to jump. Can you hear my cat? Yeah. <laughs> it's like yelling in the background. Uh-huh. Um, they wanted to go up. There's these like sort of, they look kind of like trampolines that are suspended in these vertical poles. So there are these poles and then in the center of the poles is a trampoline and the trampoline is suspended in the air by like these bungees. Oh, uh-huh. Yeah. Um, it's like, it seems kind of dangerous. I don't know. Fun. <laughs> yeah. But like dangerous. So anyway, they climb up and 
one of them is five and his younger brother is two and a half. Uh-huh. And uh, Stevia Hibiscus climbed all the way to the top platform and was like, I'm going to jump off of here. And he did it, you know, like incrementally. So he started at the bottom and then he kept going higher and higher and jumping and jumping and jumping. Uh-huh. And so he's like, I'm going to jump off of here. And my dad says, nope, that's too high. Or maybe my mom said that's too high. But I was like, I don't think it's too high. Right. I, it's not too high at all. And Bennett, or, well, I just said his name. It doesn't matter. My nephew Bennett was like, yeah. uh, we we nicknamed him Stevia Hibiscus for reasons that are not necessarily related to protecting his identity. So, <laughs> right. Um, or jumping off anyway, of a pole onto a trampoline. Or jumping off of a tree. Yeah. yeah. So Stevia Hibiscus yeah. is up on this thing. And I said, listen, it's not too high. But if you jump from something this high, you might break an ankle. Are you prepared to go to the hospital for that Uh and let it ruin our day at the park? Yeah. And he was like, hmm. And he sat there and pondered it for a second. Uh And then he was like, no, I don't want a broken ankle. And I was like, okay, then it, then you probably shouldn't jump off of it. Uh Like, it's not too high. It's totally not too high. Nothing terrible is going to happen. Right, right. Like, you might land wrong. Uh huh. We're gonna. Then I get to tell your mom from the hospital, like, "Hey, I took your kid to get his leg casted." <laughs> I remember when that kid was really small. Yeah. He was just a toddler, uh-huh. and my parents had come back from somewhere, and the wheel with the brake drums was really hot from driving. Yeah. Sure. And so he walked up, he was like toddling along the side of the truck right. and he, you know, was putting his hand out to like steady himself and he put his hand, somehow he like put the reached top of the, his hand. Oh, uh-huh. Yeah. He like reached in, t- he's obsessed with wheels and tires. Well, he was when he was a baby. Yeah. And so like he reached out and kind of touched the wheel, but where like the hub of it was and it was all hot from the brakes. Yeah. And it singed his little hand. Oh. Um, which like everybody in my family completely overreacted to. Yeah. Like everybody was crying. Like all the adults were crying over it. Uh huh. That's the worst. It's the worst reaction ever. It's like, you need to just be really practical and be like, okay, you know, what, what are you feeling? Like, let's, let's fix this as opposed to just being like, you know, overindulging how terrible this situation is and now forever if they ever are hurt at all right like he just got a little bandage on his hand it wasn't even like he didn't even like have skin that came off or anything it wasn't like like a second degree at most like no it was just like it was just a hot surface right so anyway all the adults like have this meltdown It, it reminded me of like when people buy a car that's too expensive for their price range and budget Uh and so they're overly protective of it and have like these really unhealthy emotional like dependencies on this physical object and the first time it gets a paint scratch it's It's like just the end of the world it's like an existential problem yeah because it's like well i can't afford to fix this paint scratch because i couldn't afford the car in the first place (laughs) it's like well that seems kind of like an obvious problem yeah like and I don't know why that's a surprise. Right. But um, that's how they treated the kid. Like, he was the first kid. He was the first grandkid. Uh, he had never been injured in any way, shape, or form at any point before. It was just like the first scratch on a fucking Bugatti or something. Everybody was, oh, like, really upset about it. But he got this nifty, like, they bandaged his hand and then, you know, they put the bandage against his skin and then they wrapped a bunch of gauze around it so that he couldn't rip it off. Uh-huh. And it was really cute because it looked like a little boxer before uh-huh. you put, you know, when you bandage, yes. when you tape yeah. your hands before you put the boxing gloves on. Yeah. Um, It was really cute. And he wasn't even crying when they were at the doctor, but, like, everybody else was upset. But, like, the way that my mom treated it, like, she was really... She's not great at delivering news. No matter what the news is, the delivery is always mismatched to the situation. Yes. And so, like, she delivered the news really weird to my sister-in-law, Karen, who I think got the impression that the situation was much worse than it was. Uh Uh-huh. I don't know. Anyway, I was just, like, the only person who was, like, he's fine and, like, bodies heal. That's the beautiful thing about them is, like, these... Mm -hmm. This is what happens when you become a human and test limits. Right. Like, you find them. Yeah. There's one right there. Anyway, uh, yeah. Stevia is fine now. He doesn't even have a scar, and he likes jumping off of tall things, and he's fine. That's fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah, his younger brother is fast on his tracks. Uh-huh. 
like seems pretty fearless which if i'm like if i'm taking guesses i suspect that the like injury count between stevia hibiscus and connor the destroyer is gonna heavily weight towards the destroyer yeah sounds like yeah 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 they would definitely be in on some wall pushing i think <laughs> they'd be down for some wall pushing be like let's push some walls uh-huh yeah mm-hmm. that's pretty great um yeah which is kind of what led me to thinking of that that title um when you were talking when we were first talking about this and you were you were saying um leading a coup yeah and i was just imagining like you know kindergarten class knocks down classroom wall or something just like you know, <laughs> jailbreak <laughs> jailbreak exactly um oh man yeah so like thinking ahead and i do i I I appreciate the humor in attempting to contextualize your future in terms of um, headlines, um, like Mm -hmm. news story headlines. Uh, It's, I mean, we live in a funny time now where the headlines are just constantly this like escalation of like, oh, what fucked up stupid shit is going on now? Um, Where headlines headlines don't assert anything anymore. They ask stupid leading questions. Right. And I find that so irritating. Like, I don't fucking know. You're the one trying to tell me. (laughs) God, it's so annoying. If you if you pose a question in your headline, I am by default skipping whatever it is you wrote. Yeah. I'm not going to read it. Fuck you. Go away. Yeah, news uh, news cycle's pretty fucked up. Like I watching the evening news and watching all the bumpers where it's like it's like are your children doing something that's going to murder all of you in your sleep? Like yeah. it's just shit like it's just constantly you know um like what is your morning toast doing to your intestines or like you know <laughs> it's just shit that's like you know it's like I eat morning toast. Oh fuck, I got to watch this news article. And then yeah. it's always like at the end and when you watch it it's just like you know, turns out it's some shit we've all known for years anyway. It's like, if you overburn your toast, it has slight carcinogenic properties. You know, it's like, yeah. fuck you. Like, you know, put yeah. that at the front then. What yep. the fuck? This is, I, when you think about this, like, one for one, you're like, oh, this is annoying and you just wasted, like, four minutes of my life. I'm never going to get back. Yeah. But when you think of that in aggregate, all of the regional news <sighs> yeah. with all of this pointless news that's wasting all of this time. Yeah. And when you add all of that up and you think about all of the effort that goes into producing that trash that doesn't make anybody's life any better and just waste time, like, it becomes completely unethical. Yeah. No, it's it's... It's like indefensible to waste that much time. I mean, people barely hang on to ideas and retain thoughts as it is. So why would you go out of your way to position a bunch of garbage to be the thing that people soak up and like hang on to for some dumb reason? I had a conversation. This is this. Here we go. I had Uh a conversation one day at work with a former coworker. Yes. And I went in and got some food out of the fridge. Uh Uh-huh. Uh, that belonged to me. I didn't just like randomly grab food. Um, and I was like gonna eat it, and I was standing at the kitchen, like dining room sink, and she was standing next to me, and she said, "They say you're never supposed to eat fruit before noon." Or I, what? And I was like, "What? Who says that?" And she's like, "I don't know, but you're not supposed to." And I was like, "What?" Who told you? Why would you think that? What was the... Do you remember why whoever it was said you can't eat it before noon? Like, what's the logic there? And she's like, well, that's what they say. And I was just like, holy shit, this conversation is too stupid for me. Uh (laughs) And I'm positive it's some dumb crap she heard on some stupid morning news show before she went to work or something. Uh So this woman is like actively walking around not eating fruit after before noon every day and like telling other people to do the same because someone she doesn't remember told her at some point to do that. Uh Uh-huh. Stop making pointless regional news stories. (laughs) They're all controlled by like shitty corporate media anyway. And they're all meant to like sell products and that's all the point there is to any of that shit. It's all just to make money. It's not even like... So there you go, like the the fucking cherry on top of the regional news ethical time bomb Sunday. (laughs) 
I hate regional news so much. <sighs> yeah, I'm not really a fan. Although <laughs> I was thinking about um so uh, Do you actually watch the evening news? No, no. No, it's oh. just when I've been stuck, you know, at somebody else's house and Oh, um, <laughs> when you're trapped. Yeah, when you're trapped, you know, and they're like, "Oh, evening news, here it comes." Um Yeah, I, no. I don't I don't have a TV. I have no way of watching the evening news. Right. Um yeah, so I don't I was wondering like, do you st- Stream it and then project it on your wall. Like, my God, that's dedication <laughs> right. to such a low quality. I'm product. like, oh, it's almost on. Hold on, hold on. Wait, <laughs> like the hoops I'd have to go through, like not having cable, like a cable package or any of that. I, I suppose I could probably find like a digital TV tuner or something. But anyway, um, Ugh, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. No, I. E- yikes. Um, Well, anyway, uh, yeah, so I, I was just thinking about in terms of, um, uh, like how we might think about headlines in terms of, terms of like the way that you use them or the way you were mm-hmm. applying them in the context of this podcast and how we might think about, um, headlines as like a creative, um, like, like a catalyst for creative endeavors. Um, mm-hmm. You know, so like if you're, if you're going to do uh, like, if we're going to do a podcast, I mean, we definitely do title first podcasts. Um, I, yeah. I, it probably, the end product doesn't seem that way because we have, as I was mentioning at the beginning of this podcast, we have um, a system that we use to collate our, our ideas, but often our ideas yeah. are like, they're 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 title heavy like they start with titles like um uh you know like we have one like fcbm get your shit together (laughs) um or uh what was the um like and sometimes they're more specific to like things that have happened in our life like the one i'm just seeing now which was um fcbm a racist crashed crashed our hot tub um which was that time that we had taken that uh retreat where we met like halfway between our houses and we're sitting in the pool at the hot at the hot springs and the guy was like the like obvious racist asshole was like basically trying to crash like damon and i were drinking whiskey and he was just like oh i like whiskey i want to hang out with you guys and just like ah yikes um, and he was like really drunk in the middle of the day, which uh-huh. I mean, if you're at a hot spring. Yeah, like it, that wasn't the issue so much as it was just like clearly he was just really pushing in on like what was basically a private party between the three of us. You know, we were just right. like like decompressing and like talking about things and kind of reconnecting, uh, having been not seen each other for a while. Um, yeah. And it was just like, God. Yeah, oh, yeah. And they like the guy kept calling you guys the Scotch boys. The Scotch boys. Drinking Scotch. That's yeah, right. And he yes. Completely ignored me. It's like I wasn't there. Yes. At all. Exactly. Yeah. It was so weird. Yep. Um, not that I wanted him to talk to me. Right. I was really glad he didn't because I had some words lined up for him uh, if he was going to actually like initiate yeah. or in, not initiate. If he was going to instigate anything with me, I was going to let him have it. But right. uh, he never did. And yeah. that was fine by me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I forgot about that guy. That guy was a real tool. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So the title, the kind of title heavy or like title forward um, thinking around it like helps us gather our right. thoughts or uh, like. <clears throat> Um, you know, the, the, so the title, the dumbest dystopia, which we've kind of, um, sh- we've kind of moved away from for a little bit. We'll probably revisit. We've been doing like that whole series of designing dystopias. Um, yeah. that one came from, uh, I follow this woman on Twitter, uh, Chrissy Stroop, I think. And she does a lot of writing around, um, sort of Christian, uh, influence on politics and and social structures and all of the issues mm. that come from that um and so she for a longest time and i think she still does like her twitter handle was like living in the dumbest dystopia or whatever which i just think yeah. is a fucking hilarious like concept um because of the you know like anything funny like that because of the nugget of truth that's in it right like right it's just yeah like, it's funny because it's true yeah it's funny because it's true um Usually funny. My criteria for funny, like the the most basic, lowest common denominator, is if it's it's funny, if it's true, and it's not happening to you. Yes, right. So you you really appreciate Schadenfreude then? 
Oh, I do so much. <laughs> it's kind of like one of my favorite moments in life is a moment of Schadenfreude. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's at the uh, when I was talking to our friend the other day about um, like I I mentioned that I wanted um, a a sticker that's a mashup of the red swing line stapler and a lobster. Yes. And um, we were talking about how we we're missing out on swag in our lives right now because we don't have any cool stickers for any themes that are going around. And I was like. I can't remember what I said the theme for 2020 was, but she one-upped me and she was like, no, the theme for 2020 is schadenfreude. And I was like, you're, <laughs> you're so right about that. You're absolutely right. It is. It uh-huh. really is. Oh, God. Yeah. So uh, that is, it's such a, it's such a rare thing that you get to enjoy schadenfreude. And then when you do it, it's like so close to joy or happiness. Like, yeah, I don't really, I don't really qualify or you know stack up moments of happiness against each other. I'll take what I can get because they're so few and far between. Mm-hmm. And if it's, you know, occasionally, the joy at somebody else's misery. Well, I wonder. I was, I, I was thinking about how, because um, we did that episode about designing things that aren't usually associated with design, like ennui. And mm-hmm. I was just, <laughs> yeah, that's so bizarre. I was just thinking, and yeah, and so good. I was just thinking in my mind, like how one would, um, so Schadenfreude for me is like it, it, the setup to experience it is usually pretty involved, right? Like you need to yes! have, have these elements of, um, like hubris, a- hubris is obviously like an, a common one. Like you know someone with a yes. lot of hubris, and then to watch them kind of get egg on their face is is a certain level of like Schadenfreude, right? It's like this pleasure yeah. in someone else's suffering. Um, yeah, that's really that's a really good observation. And that it, there's a lot of buildup. Yeah, and I was just I, I'm trying to think of like where like how would one um, so we you know in ostensibly this podcast is about design and art. And Mm -hmm. so I was trying to think about how one might convey something like that in a, like in a less, so it's probably pretty easy to create experiences of schadenfreude, say in a media, like in a film or a TV show or some kind of like Mm -hmm. video content. Um, and then maybe a little bit less so in any kind of time series of information, right? Like, so in a podcast, we could talk about, tell a story, and then um, create or convey an instance of schadenfreude. But if you wanted to do something in a still, like an image where it's frozen in time, then you generally need to infer um, past and future, right? Like, you're still you still have to tell the story of progression through time right it's not an instantaneous mm-hmm. thing where um like i can imagine um other feelings of like like a more basic emotion of like joy where you show someone smiling or someone like you can kind of yeah. instantly capture that where it's like i don't even know who this person is but this image already conveys like an, a, an empathetic feeling from me about their their emotional state but sure. but Schadenfreude is like not that easy, right? I can't just be like, no, if you put somebody think- with a grimace on their face in the in the shot, then you're done. Um, I mean, yeah, because there's a difference between sadism and Schadenfreude, right? Like ex- sadism is a personality characteristic where you delight in other people's suffering yes. or seek to cause other people's suffering because you get something out of it, which is just completely antisocial and is not the same thing as Schadenfreude, which is possibly in most cases when I picture it i think of it as um unexpected like a windfall uh-huh. of a windfall of like a windfall of revenge of objective revenge yes it's not subjective because you've done nothing so like i was i was pondering this as you were speaking and i was thinking about this in order to enjoy shot in order to experience shot in Florida, you have to have a rebalancing of the scales that were tipped in favor of something that you dislike to begin with so somebody has to have built up ill will with you right. for you to engage in shot in Florida because you're happy that someone's getting what they deserve mm-hmm. it's like an, i think there's an issue of dessert that's attached to it like you're i'm happy you're suffering right now because you had it coming yes you know but right. to, in order to understand why they had it coming there has to be a record or a history of them doing things that you find upsetting. 
or unjust or whatever. Right, right. Depending on the circumstances. Whereas, like, if you just delight in other people's suffering, for instance, in order to design Schadenfreude, I was like, well, could you essentially play some kind of a chess game where you are maneuvering such that people are bound to fail and then you can take delight in that? And I thought, well, no, because I really hate the concept. I think setting people up to fail is like inexcusable. I just, much like the my, my complaints about regional news, it's such a waste of time and energy. Um, like... It's totally unethical to set people up to fail. There's just no excuse for that. Right. Unless you're doing it on purpose to be a shithead, which is not the same thing as Schadenfreude. <laughs> right, because it's Schadenfreude is not like revenge based, right? Or sort no, of like retaliation. It feels kind of like you're getting revenge, but you didn't you're not guilty or culpable. Like when Dad Greg died, yeah. my terrible neighbor Greg was like loathsome and horrible and it totally reminds me like if I had to pay that guy money I'd be right where Raskolnikov was in fucking crime and punishment Uh he was horrible and so when he died because I had nothing to do with that I'm allowed to feel happy about this sudden good luck that I'm having where I don't have to deal with a sociopath who assaults children in my neighborhood anymore like that's pretty fucking great. I'm going to enjoy this. I'm going to enjoy it more because that son of a bitch died alone. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, I hope that was terrible. I don't know. Whatever. Right. But I can, at the very least, I'm allowed to feel okay about this because I didn't do anything to make him die. So I just, I just get to sit here and enjoy my good luck, my good fortune. <laughs> right. And that of my neighbors whose children are no longer at risk of being assaulted by a grown man. So that's great. Um, that the guilt free enjoyment of somebody else's comeuppance yeah. is at the heart of Schadenfreude for me. So I don't know how you would engineer it because engineering implies. Or designing implies premeditation, and premeditation in this case would be antisocial and sadistic. Yeah, yeah. Well, I was thinking about. Um, well, that's exactly the pr- part of the problem, right? So if right. one can't, <laughs> how to how to design Schadenfreude without being culpable? Right. Yeah. So um, you're kind of left to. Uh, I mean, if you're culpable, then it's not really Schadenfreude. Um, right. And so if you are attempting to capture the existence like so you're kind of left to capturing it right like i think that's sort of um you know we've uh we we've had this recent like national ex- um experience of schadenfreude when uh trump was you know diagnosed with uh covid right you know it's oh kind of goodness, like this yes. this ridiculous amount of schadenfreude in that in that experience um but if if you were someone who you know, and I don't think this is true. Like, you know, if someone had had purposefully infected him or something, then that's that's it undoes all of that, right? Now it's like, yes, you know, it's a yes. It's an we all enjoyed it because we felt like he had it coming because of his severely negligent behavior that's killed over two hundred and twenty thousand people and <clears throat> put everyone around him at risk. And so when he finally got sick, it was like, fine, you 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 had this coming, right? It's sort of like. Um, you know, it's kind of like someone who like continually harasses the bee's nest and eventually they get stung. Um, you know, it's like, yeah. So anyway, um, I don't know. I was just, it was, I like, there's, we don't have to solve this problem either. I just was thinking it's it's an interesting concept. Yeah. Yes. Very, very good. Like, I like where you're going with this. I think it was kind of exciting to experience schadenfreude on a national level. Like, when is that ever going to happen again? That's pretty unusual. Yeah. That's just getting that many, that many people who feel the same way about the same thing Uh is just unusual, I think. It is unusual. And it was really, really kind of cathartic in a way. I think there was a certain level of like, just sort of general um hysterical (laughs) hysterical like momentary his not hysteria but like hysterics i guess i don't know the -hmm, hysterical laughter like i can just yeah it was (laughs) it was pretty like it's Mm -hmm. and i think as a lot of people kind of point out it's like no one is sitting here being like you know um 
the the goal of it is like now we're all happy he might die um i mean maybe some of us are it that's a con that's more complicated but that's not what the point of it yeah. is like the point of it is that it's like it's hilarious it's it's just like <laughs> it's just to see it unfolding it's true and it's not happening now oh, right. <laughs> exactly right yeah um uh. yeah and i you know i mean my personal belief is like people you know death is always bad there's no it there's it doesn't mean that there aren't good things that come from it or that there are reasons that it should happen or that there aren't reasons it should happen. It's just that, you know, there is a bad component to it and that's always the case. Um, yeah. Like I just, you know, um, so, and it doesn't mean the good doesn't, you know, never outweighs the bad. It's just to, to say that it's black and white where this death is good and that death is bad is just wrong to me. It's like, no, they're all, they all have a component of that not being good. Um, yeah. So, anyway um yeah so titles uh or or headlines um which is funny i was just thinking about um you know in our own way uh we are also subject to the issue you know running this podcast like our headlines matter as we've discovered we have one podcast in particular that just outpaces the rest of them by miles for number of like clicks right apparently the title um, somebody's gonna die is just massive clickbait compared to the rest of what we have. That's so funny. It is funny. We totally weren't trying, right? Like that it's weird to me that that is the one that people. Yeah, and so we did a little experiment um, where we did a second podcast about somebody's gonna die because you know revisiting, and so that podcast was about or is about the um, the trolley problem, the sort of the problem, the the trolley problem yeah. um, in relation to philosophical and like moral discussions and originally when we came up with it we didn't have a title i think we just like i think we kind of toyed around with it but we wanted to talk about those topics so we did yeah. and then we kind of came up with the title afterwards and thought oh that's funny and and hilarious because you know it describes the trolley problem pretty perfectly there's if, yeah. if you're following the trolley problem there's only you know somebody's gonna die one way or the Somebody's other. Somebody's going to die. You know, what are you going to do? <laughs> um, and so it's funny to me because for some reason that's just, you know, really massive clickbait. And obviously if we wanted to get more clicks, we could think more critically about our podcast titles. But we appreciate, like, as we were talking about, like our process is sending ideas and titles to each other and what makes us laugh. Um Right. Obviously, we'd love to hear from you whether you appreciate it or don't appreciate them is yeah. on you to tell us or not. Um, but I find them hilarious. And so um, I like this. <laughs> I like this one. I just don't. I'm, so I have the list in front of me. Um, okay. And the one, the one that's like, so we recently did close talking in the time of COVID, um, mm -hmm. which is. It, so a lot of these, like we get these stories, like we collect these stories through experience in our lives. And then um, I've something I've appreciated about you is that, or maybe this is something that has developed between us. I don't know, but oftentimes uh -huh. stories have titles in our personal life. And so they're like yes. headlines between us where yes. you're like the close talking in the time of COVID is in relation to a particular experience you had. And then we yes. turn that into a podcast. Um, you know, or the like the no more pain hospital and um, the <laughs> burn, yeah, the and, burn and burn ward, um, oh, statuary orphanage and puppet burn ward is just so <laughs> great because, um, it's like you're doing something and then you think of like how you're going to call this period, this little vignette of your life, right? Like where you're repairing a garden gnome, and then the next thing mm -hmm. you know, you're like, you have this whole thing, and now we have the whole podcast, which, um, if you're into garden gnomes, you might want to listen to that. If you're not into garden gnomes, you might still want to listen to that. It's kind of a funny podcast, I think. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I have a garden gnome, and he he's wearing OR scrubs. All right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, which you've repaired, like you repaired him, like you you performed surgery yeah, and put him back together. Yes, I I yeah. performed surgery on the gnome. I I used plaster of Paris to repair him <laughs> and do some touch up cosmetic work and then i i didn't want to like paint i didn't want him to look anything remotely like a human and so i you know he's humanoid because he's got 
human features. Sure. Like two legs, two arms. So they're not head, nose, face. face. Yeah. Yeah. Beard. Uh, Big white beard, tall red hat. So when I fixed him up, um, I put scrubs and a lab coat on him, and then I painted a red cross on his lab coat, and I put him in little. He's got those like little cloggy shoes that doctors and nurses wear around uh-huh. the ER. Yeah. Um and uh Crocs? And I gave him Yeah. Yeah. Crocs. Yeah. Or Dansko. Dansko. Dansko yes. is the one that yeah. you usually wear because they're more durable. Yep. Um hard toed. Like clogs. And yeah, they're like clogs. And so uh I put him in some of those and then um I gave him Martian green skin because I really actually like the color combination. We were just talking about this the other day. I like the color combination of red and neon green uh-huh. and magenta yes. together. Yeah. And I had contemplated putting magenta fingernails on him uh-huh. um, and maybe magenta lipstick underneath his beard. But I don't have any magenta paint at the mom- moment. So for now, he's just got a tall red pointy hat and his OR scrubs and coat and green, beautiful green skin yeah. with... Um, all white eyes. He has no irises or pupils. Right. Just yeah. Just plain white. Uh-huh. Um, and so he kind of looks like a he. He looks like if a a zombie and a Martian had a love child. Uh huh. And it came out wearing OR scrubs and a gnome hat. <laughs> and a tall pointy hat. And a tall pointy hat. Yeah. So he's really cute. I bought some. Um, <laughs> I bought some clear coat to spray on him. Yes. And I I think he's I think he's done. I'm confident that he's finished when he gets a little dirt from him on the outside it'll settle into the fabric creases on his little coat and give it some dimension. Yes. Um he'll get a patina which is what I'm really interested in. Yep. And so I want to um spray him with clear uh clear coat spray. Did I say adhesive earlier that is not what I meant? Um, like yeah. a clear coat to protect against UV and stuff and scratches. Yeah. Um, so that he cleans off easily as well. Yeah. And uh, some friends of mine were like, "Oh, you should paint more detail here, here, here." And I was like, mm. "So I held off doing the clear coat because I was self doubting my design." And then I realized, no, he's exactly the way I want to. It took me like three days to paint. Yeah, he's I was ready. Careful he's good. about it. He's yep. ready. So I just needed to spray him, but then it was so cold outside that I didn't want to spray him because I didn't think the that the spray was going to seal correctly. Uh-huh. So now I got to maybe do it in the basement, I'm thinking. Yeah. And then he'll be ready to just go back in the porch over the winter because I don't want to put him outside in the winter. Yeah. Because he'll get freezing cold or maybe even broken again. Yeah. So, yeah. but yeah, I figured like since this was my first attempt at gnome garden gnome statuary surgery, uh-huh. that my first gnome that came out should be dressed appropriately to you know help me work in this gnome hospital yes yeah definitely because staff you got to staff that thing we got to staff it yep. so it's me and the gnome surgeon so far just the two of us maybe there will be more i don't know i was tempted to make my own molds and then cast my own cement or plaster uh, statuaries hey i i'm in support of this i think that's a, a worthy endeavor uh, yeah so yeah i'll have to figure out how to do that so do you have um any tip for living well in hell oh yeah don't look a gift dead neighbor in the mouth <laughs> No, uh, plan ahead. Plan, plan ahead. ahead is my advice. Yes. My tip for living well in hell is that you maybe in the worst circumstances ever, depending on what your circumstances are. Yeah. Um, but trying to get even just a couple of seconds ahead of a problem. Yeah. Um, can really make a huge difference. And I say this as a person who's like survived some very difficult circumstances that were life and death in multiple different settings. And I'm still here. Yeah. And in each of those situations and in every other situation I've basically ever been in, uh, I find that planning ahead makes a huge difference in how you process what's going on and how you are able to like respond to it and how resilient you are and how quickly you get up afterwards and move on. Um, from something that's really, really shitty. And so I think even if you have a plan A, B, C, D, E, and all of them get destroyed, the exercise of going through the planning makes you more confident in your ability to navigate any situation. And so my tip for living well in hell is plan ahead. Whatever that looks like to you. It's fantastic. Just do it. I like this. Yeah. 
Okay. Yeah. Um, should we? I think we're good. I think. I think so. Oh, and maybe like stage a coup, like friendly coup. Yeah, occasionally, you know, if as as appropriate, you decide. You're an adult, or maybe you're not, but you know, you're a human being, and you're ultimately responsible for your actions. So, if uh, staging a coup is what needs to happen, that's that's do that. Um, yeah. So, uh, oh, I was gonna say that we have. Um, we want to let people know that you can get a hold of us uh, by emailing us at so it's Dana D A N A at fcbm.io. That's our executive assistant. She's the best route to get a hold of us. So if you email her, um, we're also on Twitter and Instagram. I think Twitter is at fcbm underscore io, and Instagram is at fcbm.io. Uh, either way, um, social media, eh. Email definitely direct line. Dana will like get you set up right away. Like yeah, either get you, we like email. Yeah, either get a hold of Meg or I or both of us. And um, if you have thoughts or ideas about the podcast, you're more than welcome to chime in, um, be part of the conversation. And uh, let's see, I think that's it. I think we most mostly yeah. we've been trying to plug that because I think our executive assistant was like, hey, you know, if you don't say that, people may not know. So now you know if you listen to this long. So there you go.